Good to be with you once again. And uh, just a few words as we begin our time of worship. Psalm 47 says these lovely words, just encouraging us to come to worship our God. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to the Lord. He is greatly to be exalted. We turn for our reading today to the book of Acts. The book of Acts and chapter 15. Book of Acts, chapter 15, we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 35. what we're going to think about uh, this morning. So Acts chapter 15, beginning to read at verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren... Lest you be circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. Uh, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way, by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church, and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying... It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by the giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. After they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. 
Simon has declared how God, at the first visit, the Gentiles to take, to the, take out to them a people for himself. And with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, saying, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preached him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas, namely, with Paul and Bar Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbath, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, they wrote this letter by them. The apostles and the elders the, and the brethren, to the brethren who are in, of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seems good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by the word of mouth. And it seemed good to us, sorry, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these you will do well. Farewell. So they, so when they, so when they had sent off, they went. They came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves. Being prophets also exhorted the brethren with many words and strengthened them. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with the greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. 
May the Lord bless to us the reading of his word. I spoke on Friday to a man. I came to this conclusion. He was a very sad man. I offered him a Christian leaflet and he said, no, I don't want that. I said, don't you think about Christian things? And he said, I used to. But I don't any longer. So I said, what do you think about? He said, I don't think about anything. Life. What's the point? Isn't that amazing? What a sad man. Now I'm going to speak to you from a text which tells us about the wonderful thing about being a Christian. It's found in our reading, Acts chapter 15, verse 11, where we have a great statement. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And he adds, in the same manner as they. You'll understand that a bit later on. But what a statement that is. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. If you want a title, By Grace Alone. Alright, that's a short enough title, isn't it? By Grace Alone. Now we're thinking about a chapter which perhaps some of you are not very familiar with. It's not one of those chapters you necessarily go to read, even if you are reading through the book of uh, the Acts. It's about a church meeting. Now generally when you have a church meeting, if you've got a building of your own, it's generally about, we need some new chairs. <laughs> what colour shall we paint the, the church? And about those sorts of things. But this church meeting was about the most important subject that any church meeting could speak about. How can a person be saved? Now, I think you'd agree with me. That's a pretty important subject. In fact, the most important subject. How can a person be saved? And the course of my title's given it away by grace alone. And we'll also discover by faith alone. It's not by faith and a bit of works. It's not by faith and a bit of church attendance. It's by faith alone. Because of grace alone. Now you'll understand those remarks as we go on into this chapter. Now if you were to knock on a few religious doors. Or meet a few religious people, you might discover this. If you were to ask them the question, how can I be saved? Well, let's do a few examples. Alright? For instance, you go and knock on the, the Roman Catholic door. And the priest would come to the door and you'd ask them this question. How can I be saved? Well, the priest would tell you. Well, you need to be baptised as a child to begin with, so that your original sin might be washed away. And grace might come into your life, but be careful, you might lose it. <laughs> we 
When you're a bit older, you need to be confirmed and grace will come into your life, but you might lose it. You need to go to Mass. And there that wafer, which becomes the body of Christ, when you eat it, grace will be infused into your life, but you might lose it. And then you need to go to confessions. You need to do works of penance. You need to look at Mary and pray to Mary. And she might look upon you with favour. And grace might be infused into your life. But you might lose it. But what happens when I die? Well, you'll have to go to purgatory. To be cleansed of your sin. How long will I be in purgatory? Well, I don't know. But you have to be cleansed from your sin. So if you ask the Roman Catholics how to be saved, they wouldn't be able to give you a good answer. Because they don't know how to be saved. Their system cannot save. Because it's a false system. So let's knock on another religious organisation door. Now I don't know if you've got many of them around there, but we have in Dudley. We've got a lot of them. <laughs> the Christadelphians. You sometimes see them, they're giving out Bibles, etc. And you ask them, how can I be saved? Well, you need to believe the Bible. You need to believe in Jesus Christ, but remember, Jesus Christ isn't the eternal Son of God. He's just a special creation that began at Bethlehem. So he's just, not the son of God, he's just a, a prophet. But how can I be saved? Ah, you need to be baptised. If you are not baptised by immersion, you cannot be saved. And of course the thinking mind says, how can H2O wash away my sins? But that's what the Christadelphians believe. So, knocking on the Christadelphians' door... Well, answer the question, how can I be saved? What about the Jehovah's Witnesses? Go along to the Kingdom Hall and knock along on their door. Oh, well, you need to become a member of the, the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Watchtower is God's organisation in this world and you need to obey us. Don't question anything we teach you, you just obey it. And if you're a faithful Jehovah's Witness, if you knock on the doors or go and stand by your stand in the town centres... And you prove to be a faithful Jehovah's Witness. You're, well, you might not become one of the 144,000 that go to heaven. But you might, just might, get a place in the new heavens and the new earth. They don't know how to be saved. But here the Apostle Peter says... But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not that we might be saved or perhaps we'll be saved, we shall be saved. That's a wonderful statement. Now, this is a church meeting. And perhaps the first church meeting that ever there was to discuss a very difficult, practical problem that had arisen in the church. A great preacher, Mr. C.H. Spurgeon, called this the first apostles' 
Creed. How about that? And uh, that's what he called these words. But, but we believe, in other words, this is what we believe as a church, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Now, there's certain questions we've got to ask from this passage. And the first one is this. Why did they need this church meeting? Paul and Barnabas travelled down from Antioch to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles, the elders of the church, and there all the church came together to discuss this question. Now, why did they need this church meeting? Well, the answer is found in verse 1. Certain men came down from Judea. I always think you go from Judea up to Antioch in Syria, but that's how it's written in Scripture, right? So certain men from Judea, in fact, those who were Pharisees, they'd come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they'd come to the church at Antioch, which was a Gentile church, and they were telling these new converts who hadn't had much religious background, who didn't know much about the history of the Bible and the history of the nation of the Jews, and they had come and told them that they needed to become Jews in order to be saved. They needed to be circumcised. They needed to obey the law of Moses, the ceremonial law. And with a bit of faith and a bit of Moses' law, And being circumcised, a bit of works, faith plus works, you will be saved. And of course, that was a grievous error. And that's why Paul and Barnabas travelled down to the apostles that that were in Jerusalem. Now, we need to say a couple of things in the light of that. If you look at verse 24, in their letter to these Gentile Christians, it says at the end, to whom we gave no such commandment. In other words, this teaching did not come from the apostles. Now that's very important. It has an application for us. We believe in apostolic teaching. The Lord chose his 12 men, To bring us the scriptures, the New Testament. And we say, if it's not apostolic, we do not believe it. It's an add-on. It's an addition. It's an error. And of course, the history of the church tells us that all over the top, many, many years. There's always those who are either added on something to Christianity, or... There have been those who have taken away something from Christianity. The Bible is complete. It doesn't need any add-ons. It doesn't need anything taken away. It's the word of God. The New Testament came to us by the apostles. That's the first thing we just need to comment on. The second thing we need to comment upon is this. When Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey, you remember, they went to this city, at the end, persecution. <laughs> then they went to another city, then persecution. They had to run for their lives. So that wherever the gospel is preached, there's always those from without who will persecute 
the church. Okay? But the devil, his other tactic is this. He gets his false teachers within the church to try to destroy the church from within. And that is what has happened here. There are these Pharisees, they had some profession of faith, but they'd got into the church and they were saying to these, these dear Gentile converts, little, little lambs, if you like, not knowing much, but somehow or other they'd got into the church and they'd persuaded these young converts to believe something which had not come from the apostles. And that's what happens in church life. Someone creeps in, as the book of Jude says, and begins to teach something which is false, which is wrong. And so often, it's this very problem. To be saved, it's not just faith, but you want some works as well. Alright? So that is something of the problem. So, the second thing we observe is this. That, yes indeed... Paul and Barnabas, with some others, make their way down from Antioch to Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? As they go on their way, they don't waste their time, do they? Uh, verse 3. And being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. So as they went on their journey... They stopped at various churches on the way and said, look, do you know, when we went on a missionary journey around Asia, Gentiles, lots of them, were converted. Now remember that in those days, you know, there weren't newspapers and Christian magazines and the internet and telephones. So news always very slow, very slow to come about. So they went on their way to tell them about what the Lord had done. In these dear people's hearts as they preached the gospel. They had a remissionary report time. Now, please notice another thing. What happened at this meeting? What happened at this meeting? Verse 5 tells us the problem. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying... It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now that is the problem. Faith plus works. Alright, that's the problem. Now first of all, that is going to be answered. Alright, first of all Peter is going to answer it. Then uh, Paul and Barnabas are going to answer it. And then James, who is an elder at the church at Jerusalem, is going to answer it as well. So, verse 7. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up. Now, I must admit, I love this. <laughs> Remember in the Gospels, Peter was, Peter was always the first one to speak, and generally Peter got it wrong. <laughs> Peter put his foot in it. <laughs> but here, Peter... He rises up to speak. Now, remember, Peter has been through a lot. He denied his Lord. After the resurrection, he was restored. For 40 days, 
Peter and the other apostles had fellowship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ before the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter preached that brilliant sermon on the day of Pentecost, remember? In the power of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, when he rises up to answer this problem, he rises up as truly an apostle, an experienced evangelist, an experienced man who knows his Lord. He's matured. He's solid. He knows the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter rises up. There's a proverb. Some of us does well to, to remember this proverb. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18 verse 13. So get the point. If you try and answer something before you've heard all the information, it's folly and shame. Okay? A lot of people like that. We've all done it. But what Peter has done here, he's heard the problem. He knows what the problem is. He's speaking in the light of the facts he has heard. Now that's an important point. We should always listen. We should always have the facts laid out before us. Before we answer a situation. And that's a good bit of advice. So Peter stands up and he speaks. And he speaks first at uh, 7 about his experience of going to Cornelius. Do you remember way back in chapter 10? How Peter, he didn't want to go. Jews don't speak to Gentiles. It's not my idea to go, he says. But God sent me. God sent me. And Peter was going to discover something very, very wonderful. As he preached the gospel to Cornelius, Gentiles all around him, the Spirit of God fell upon the Gentiles. They received the gospel and they spoke in tongues just like the Jews did on the day of Pentecost. And Peter discovered they've got what we've got. And Peter remembered the vision. Remember all the unclean animals coming down in the sheep which God showed him? And Peter discovered that there is a God in heaven who makes unclean things clean. And of course that's the gospel, isn't it? Here we all are as sinners unclean in the sight of God. But wonderfully the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And Peter discovered this hard Jew who wouldn't have anything to do with Gentiles that the Gentiles were all part of the kingdom of God. And whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile you can be received by the Lord. And he, and he points out it was all by faith. In fact he makes a big word of, in verse 9. Did you notice verse 9? And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Not faith and works. Not works. But by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These people had come to trust the Lord Jesus as their saviour. And their hearts had been washed and cleansed. It was all 
By faith. Because the gospel is all of grace. And Peter just adds. He says, look in verse, look at verse 10. He said, now therefore, why do you test God by putting the yoke on the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? What Peter is saying is this. Even us Jews, the ceremonial law never cleansed any of us. The ceremonial law, the keeping of it, never got us right with God. It just showed us our sin and our need of the Saviour. So why are you telling the Gentiles to keep the ceremonial law of Moses? Salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that it might be grace. It's all of what God has done. So that's what Peter said. Now, in verse 12, Barnabas and Paul speak. And he and they tell them uh, about how on their missionary journeys, verse 12, it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Now it's worth just reminding ourselves what Paul and Barnabas preach when they're on their missionary journey. You just turn back a page to chapter 13 and verses 38 and 39. You remember we, we, we thought about these a few months back now. It says this. So chapter 13 verse 38. Therefore let it be known to you brethren that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now I think that's a tremendous statement. Here are these Gentiles in front of them. Some of them might know a bit about the Bible. They might even attend a synagogue to worship. They know a bit about the Jews. But what does Paul and Barnabas say? Well, you better start doing some works from the law of Moses. You better do some good work to get you to heaven and get forgiveness. No. He says through this man, there is forgiveness of sins. And it's for you. And that's the glory of the gospel. Now, you speak to most people, we go to Litchfield quite regularly in the open air. And do you know something? You meet people just like this. They say, well, I believe. But, well, I've got to go, I'm, I'm, I, I go to church regularly, so I'm okay. I'm involved in this good work. I'm okay. And it's the same problem. It's faith. Plus, I need to do some works to be saved. Folly. Absolute folly. That's not what Paul and Barnabas preached to these Gentiles. Let it be known, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things. That's wonderful. And that's what we believe. That's what 
Luther preached when there was a great reformation in our land. That's what the great leaders of the English revival preached. Wesley and Whitfield. We are justified by faith alone. And when it comes that great moment, when we depart from this life, we say to God, nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to thy cross I cling. And that's the believer's hope that it is justified. They are justified, forgiven by faith alone. Now, can I just say, when you teach that sort of stuff, when the gospel is preached, it offends people. Shall I tell you why? Because in our hearts there's a bit of pride. You know that's true. <laughs> you know that's true. There's pride in our hearts. And it offends us. I need someone to save me. And if you were drowning, you wouldn't say, well, I'll try and do a few works myself to save myself, will I? I need someone strong and powerful to come and lift me out before I drown. And it's the same with ourselves. We are drowning. And we need a powerful, mighty saviour to come and lift us up out of our terrible state. So, Peter has his say. Paul and Barnabas has his say. Have their say. Now James has his say. You notice it says, um, sorry, I need to turn back to my page. Verse 13. After they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Now James was the elder of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, there's every good reason to believe that he was the half-brother of our Lord. In the Gospels, James, the brother of the Lord, didn't believe. He was an unbeliever. But obviously, he came to that wonderful realisation of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Saviour and Lord. And he says this, verse 14, Simon has declared how God, at the first visit, the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophet agree. Now he quotes here from the book of Amos chapter 9. Israel were under the sentence of God because of their sin. They were going to be wiped out. But the promise was but from the household of David, now can I just say, there's lots of things been said about these two verses. When it talks about rebuilding David's tabernacle, it's not thinking materially. David didn't build a temple. David didn't build a tabernacle to worship. It's talking about his household, his spiritual household. And there's going to be a moment when that spiritual household is going to be very low indeed. And it was when the Lord came. Simeon and Anna and a few other faithful were about. It was very, very low. But when the gospel was preached, Jews came into the kingdom. There was a revival in David's spiritual household. And James' great point is this. That Gentiles would be added to that spiritual household. 
and they would be one. And they would have fellowship together. And they'd be united. Of course, we understand. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a, a miracle. And that's what James is saying. We're living in such days when Jew and Gentile are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they come now to the end of their meeting. They've concluded, Peter, Paul and Barnabas, James, that Gentiles do not need to become Jews. They do not need to be circumcised. They do not need to keep the law of Moses. The ceremonial law was finished. So what do they do? Well, they end, they end up by giving a few practical, a uh, uh, bit of a practical advice to both Jew and Gentile. This letter is going to be sent back to the folk at Antioch to show how these false teachers were wrong to stop them being unsettled and say to the Gentiles, these new converts, you are Christians. Because it's all a question of faith. Not a question of faith plus works. It's all faith. So they're going to send this letter to them. But they're going to give them a bit of practical instruction. You see, when a person becomes a Christian, they always come with a bit of baggage. Okay? They always come with a bit of baggage. You see it in our day and age as well. But you see that the Jews come with this baggage. They just can't think. All those ceremonial laws of Moses, they're finished. And the Jews, when they went to the market to buy some meat, they'd never buy meat that had been offered to idols. And their blood needed to be drained out of it. And they couldn't get over this fact that there are idols who are gods. But of course there are no other gods. And that's the wonder of the Christian religion. That's proved convincingly there are no other gods. But the Jews, some of them, just couldn't get over this. So what they are saying to the Gentiles and saying, look, be careful about what meat you buy. Don't offend the Jew, your Jewish brother. Don't eat blood. Don't offend your Jewish brother in the Lord. Keep the unity of the church. And then he says to the Gentiles, abstain from immorality. Now, the Gentiles were known for not respecting the seventh commandment. They would have several women. But what the apostles are saying is this. You need to submit to Christian marriage. And the seventh commandment. Immorality is a sin. And it must not come into the church. And that's what the apostles are saying. All of us have to adjust so we do not offend our brother or sister in the Lord. And submit to the word of God. And that was all part of the testimony of the early church. They were one. They left alone this, all this business about meats and blood. They reformed their home lives. In order to show to the world. There is a church that loves 
the Lord Jesus Christ. One final look at our verse. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. There's a, whenever you quote Ezekiel, you'll think, come on, what are you going to tell me about Ezekiel? Because not many people understand Ezekiel. But there's one chapter we all understand. And it's chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. And the Lord takes Ezekiel and gives him a vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now Ezekiel could have said, not a chance. <laughs> no, that's impossible. These bones can't live. They're dead. But Ezekiel was a bit more wise than that. He said, oh Lord, God, you know. <laughs> In other words, anything possible for the Lord. <laughs> Alright, that's wonderful. So the Lord said to Ezekiel, he said, you prophesy to them. Preach to some dead bones. Do you know what preaching's all about? It's preaching to dead bones. <laughs> and as he preached, God breathed upon the bones. And they lived. And they became a mighty army. And do you know what the Lord is saying? Those who are dead... In trespasses and sins. Those who do not have the life of God in their soul. Through the preaching of the gospel. They can live. And be born again. And know new life. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the glory of the gospel. Paul and Barnabas looked at the Gentiles in Asia. They were like a pile of dead bones. But they preached the gospel. And they lived. Peter went to Cornelius. They were a pile of dead bones. But he preached the gospel. And they lived. Can I ask you. Do you know something of the power of the gospel? Bringing life to your soul.